Love and Watches is a podcast for male and female watch lovers alike. Perpetual Girl and Ranch Racer are a watch-crazy wife and husband team, bringing you the latest in news, gossip, controversy, and anything else that matters in the world of watches. We hope you enjoy the show. That's right, watch fam. We are back. You guys are listening to the Love and Watches podcast, the one and only, the original, <laughs> the first wad podcast, watch podcast with a female co-host, Yay. the only watch podcast hosted by a husband and wife team. Can you believe it? Perpetual as, girl, we've made it to yes. episode 28. <laughs> as crazy as we are and as crazy as our life is, we're here. It feels so good to be back in the quote unquote Love craft. and Watches studio recording slash craft room slash dumping room yeah it, i think we're literally <laughs> almost at three months since we've released an episode yeah. so um, we're going to get into all that today we've got a, some interesting stuff to talk to you guys about not a whole lot about watches actually believe it or not but uh we'll get into that in a second why don't we let's just get right into it with the wrist checks and then sure. we'll um we'll start talking about some some stuff well i'll start and today I'm wearing, which I actually wear just about every night, is the Bulova Computron. Which I think is a new one since we last recorded, right? I believe so. Yeah. And yeah. it's fantastic. It's silver, like a chrome, shiny uh, steel. I believe it's, it's a steel. reissue. Stainless steel, it's yes. It's a reissue. And it's got the blue window. Uh, shows time, seconds, day, date, uh, day of the week, and a second time zone. It's very cool watch. Yeah. I mean, it almost looks, it almost looks like a bracelet, like a piece of jewelry mm -hmm. until you hit the button and the little digital screen comes on. It's like I said, it's a reissue, I think from the seventies, those crazy seventies. Uh, yeah. And I don't think you had that when we did our last podcast, although mm -hmm. I haven't gone back and listened. So for all I know, that was your wrist check on the last right. podcast, but. But I wear it just about every night because I can read it without glasses and my vision's pretty bad. So yeah. this is a really funky retro piece that I think looks great on both genders you know any gender and it's big and boxy but because it looks like jewelry it looks fantastic on you i mean it doesn't look it. like an oversized watch on your wrist and by the way guys i stole it we bought this for me <laughs> <laughs> let's just be clear our local dealer who we buy rolex our rolex pieces from and we bought it for us and we bought some bulova stuff but i bought this for me and pg uh, just completely swiped it i've never even tried it on i think you did when we bought it nope it got well. I never tried it on sized for me. It got sized for you the day I brought it home, well, and I have never been able to. And that's touch okay, it. <laughs> because you've it's stolen okay the Submariner, you. so you've pretty much kept the Submariner to yourself. So. And on to the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, the uh, this is a re reissue. I have a little bit of stats about it, and it was created. The silver one was actually created for Macy's, apparently, and they still have them in stock. They're on sale. Right now for two hundred and eighty dollars on Macy's on Macy's regular mm -hmm. price three fifty, and there's some uh, extra ten percent off code with offer two hundred and fifty two dollars. So cool. Um, and originally it was a Macy's only release, like for the first month or two, but uh, well, I believe we, we had our 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 buddy Randy at um, at Devon's was able to get with his Bulova wrap and get us one. Well, there's a gold version with red. Yep and a black, like a matte black with red. Uh, but I believe this silver and blue is a exclusive to Macy's and they still have them. And it's a LED. Uh, the style number is 96C as in Charlie 139. It's a quartz and the 
the case is about 31 millimeters by 40 millimeters. So uh, water is, resistance to 30 meters. I wouldn't wear it in the water, though. I don't think I would swim in this. Nah, I mean, you could. It's not as long as it hasn't been opened and yours is brand new. So True. it hasn't been popped open. It says limited edition created for Macy's. Um I think that's pretty yeah, much but all they're you you're, they're popping up in other places. I mean, Devon's almost always has one in stock. We we saw the gold one there, and it's such a great watch in the middle of the night. And when you're getting up frequently, I don't have an alarm clock or any of those types of devices anymore, and I don't take my phone in with me, so I use that. But um, aside from the Computron, I wanted to talk about a second watch that I've been wearing a lot lately. A double wrist check. It's kind of, I'm not actually right, wearing it. it. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> I won a little Instagram photo contest from Mr. Jones. I had a photo of one of my Mr. Jones watches and they liked it and they gave me a gift card as a reward. So when they released a new watch, this one is the swimming pool watch by Christophe DeVos. It's called a perfectly useless afternoon That's awesome. and it's really cute. It's, um, it's got a, a person in a inner tube in a swimming pool. Their foot is sticking out, which is the hour marker, the hour hand. And then it's all on discs that turn. And there's a rubber ducky. That's the minutes. So, and it doesn't have a second hand. So it gives you that more relaxed way of telling time. And the bezel looks like the side of a swimming pool. And there's like a reha that looks like tile. So this is waterproof too on their website. It yeah, you've states worn it in waterproof. The pool, right? And I have a, it, it comes with the stainless mesh the Milanese band that looks great, but I didn't want the salt in our pool to kind of ruin that band. So I put an yeah. Erica's original nylon stretchy orange band on there, the limited edition orange, and it looks really good. And I, I wear this almost every time I swim. The majority of the time I wear other watches to swim, but it's the perfect watch. It's to such swim a cute in. watch. I think it's sold out, but it was, I got number 49 out of a hundred. Now was it, that was not the first time you'd won something from them, right? It's the second time. Yeah. And then I bought the, uh, last bloom. Is it last bloom? The, the yeah. skull with the mm -hmm. flowers. That's an automatic. This one's a quartz. The others are automatics, but this is one of those brands. So that we fun. just, we just, we love them. They're so much fun. They don't take life or watches or the collecting hobby that seriously. They mm -hmm. just enjoy it and they're, they're art watches and we love the brand. They're just a lot of fun. And we like all different types of watches and me being an art yeah. major, I, I appreciate the, the uniqueness of it. It's I, fun. I appreciate the uniqueness and I'm not even an art guy. Art, art guy at all. Yeah. I have zero art. I can kind of draw a stick figure, but it gets pretty ugly from there. Well, that's another topic for another day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Are you done with your double wrist check? Yes. Are you going to give me some airtime for mine? Yeah. All right. So today I am wearing a watch that I've talked about a lot on the podcast. Um, picked it up late last year after a painfully long wait uh, and gestation but it was period worth while it. they finished the design and all the technical stuff. Uh, this is the reissue of the 1970s Bulova Oceanographer, and this is the orange dial, smaller case. It's a, it's a cushion case. Uh, Seiko refers to their cushion case as, or not Seiko, but fans refer to it as the turtle. So mm -hmm. same type of it's small case though. shape, but it's yeah. smaller, quite a bit smaller. It's a, the, uh, the width of the actual case, the cushion that the dial kind of sits on top of and the bezel sits on top of is 40, 
but then the bezel is only 37 so it's and it looks it really works on me too oh it's it's such a great Pretty. size watch i absolutely love it sort of got a jubilee look it's got a jubilee band. style bracelet uh and the case is so highly polished it feels very dressy it feels more you know a lot of people say the submariner is like the the quintessential dress dive watch you can wear in the boardroom or or it's go pretty diving big with. for a dress watch but this sub. is smaller and yeah, it's more elegant pretty. i mean the polish it just it's very you know it reflects all the light and it's just such a fun watch it reminds me a little of a doxa just because of the color and the shape but the doxas are so big i could never pull off wearing a watch that large but this one i can yeah and orange was the the big the go-to color in the 70s for dive watches you could see it at depth and you know, so Doxa wasn't the only one Volvo was doing it. Seiko was doing it. Uh, but this is just, and it's so faithfully recreated. It's identical in size. Bezel's the same. It's a, um, oh gosh, what's it called? Like a Bakelite or not a Bakelite. This is a. The plastic? It's uh, um, This is a sapphire bezel. Oh, it is? Yeah. I think it's sapphire bezel. Um, it's not a, a loomed bezel, but the loom on the. The indexes oh, the are dial. like the indices are like a, they're like little round crystals that like stand up hockey... very proud off the dial yeah. like hockey pucks. Little clear hockey pucks. So great loom on those. The one thing that's a little bit odd on this watch, and it was an oddity of the original, is that because the indices stand up so high off the dial, they had to do a really short minute hand that oh, couldn't extend over right. the indices, which meant the hour hand had to be even shorter so it's it's a little it's a little odd to get it takes some time to get used to it it's you can still figure it out right away oh yeah it's you can totally figure it out but the hour hand is very very short much shorter than most hour hands and how's the loom on the on the hands does it last a long loom time? is great it lasts yeah. all almost all night uh, not quite to seiko or rolex level but but very very close i'd put it on par with like um what are those di- the the trasca Traska, Hampton, they all have good loom. Yeah, most of those guys have good loom. So um, the only other difference from the original is this is a date only. The original was a day date, but with the Salida movement they put in here, they had some issues with the day uh, complications. So that is not included. It's just a date only. But Well, we actually have a vintage as well that we had. Yeah, we do. We picked up a vintage. Overhauled, and it's broken coming it's back still not for working, overhaul. So yeah. it has to go back in for another overhaul. I'm not thrilled with that, but... Uh, yeah, you put them together, and the only difference is the faded dial on the original. It's, it's kind of mm-hmm. faded to a more reddish. But uh, anyway, just a, a joy to wear. I think it's a 20 millimeter uh, uh, lug width. So the bracelet is slimming, and it almost looks and feels a little small on my wrist just because I, I tend to wear larger pieces but it's it really is the perfect size i mean i just i love it and for you on your wrist on your small six and a half inch wrist it six and feels quarter. like a uh a, just a good chunky diver not mm-hmm. oversized for like you so. stylishly large for ladies sort of yes thing. yeah but uh great I, there's none they made 666 of them 30 of them went to analog shift for like these ultra special editions that they did with uh that came with a nato strap mm-hmm. um and then uh, the rest were were Bulova, just straight Bulova issue. There's none left, but there are some folks yeah, on eBay limited. trying to yeah. you oh, know, take flip advantage. them and make a buck. And so if you guys are interested, I, I've seen them. At, some people are flipping them for basically MSRP, maybe a few mm-hmm. bucks over. So you can still get them. Uh, at least when I checked a couple months ago. I don't know. I haven't checked for a while. So, so that's my wrist check. 
love it. Really fun. Uh, the only thing that that uh, I think they could have done better was the clasp. Oh. Very, they really, for what we spent on this watch, they really cheaped out on the clasp. Every single micro brand watch I own has a better quality clasp. This is like... Is it deployant? This is like Seiko 5 quality clasp. It's just super thin, mm. uh, you know, really thin sheet metal clasp. And I'm just not thrilled with it. That's it, the only thing they could have done better. It has a safety fold yeah, over lock. Button, that's fine. And it's got the button releases. But it's just But that's how they were cheap. made back it's got, then. It's got sharp edges. Yeah. And, you know, when you're spending $1,400 on a watch, I expect a better clasp. And, and so shame on Bulova for well, that. But that's the only negative on this watch. I love, to, love, love this watch. To be literally the devil's advocate, if, the, if this is a reissue and it's true to how it was before, if this is how the clasp was back in the day, then I don't see a problem. Yeah, yeah, I don't buy that. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You do better. Whatever, there's, woman. there's better ways to do it now. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's only negative, but... You know, we're we're big fans of the Bulova brand, and they're coming back strong. They're doing all kinds of fun yeah. reissues, and I'm double Bulova wrist the, check. The Joseph Bulova collection Those at Basel this year, so and just pretty. a lot of fun stuff. So I just really love the Bulova brand, and um, yeah. So that's that's my wrist check for today. So we're a Bulova couple today. We are, yeah, yeah, we are. I didn't even think about that, but we're both uh, we're both sporting the Bulovas. So <laughs> so that's the wrist check. Uh, we're gonna talk today about what we've been up to and what we've got going on with the show you know should we get into that or do we have any, I well, don't really I have thinking, any news to talk about well or? I was I don't really have news mm-hmm. I was I, I was going to wear my Seiko 5 today but everybody's talking about Seiko 5 I think it's saturated so we don't need to talk about the <laughs> no. new Seiko 5 because no. the SKX I guess is going away and there's going to be a the worst new... kept secret in history I know <laughs> But uh, which is a shame because everybody mods them. So hopefully, that's not gonna. I think it's a bad idea on on Seiko's part because yeah. it's it's really a huge underground group of people who love that watch. Um, so no. I just I'm not gonna go there. No. Um, but I was reading a, a story. Mm-hmm. I think it's an old story, but I'm not sure. So it's about helium release valves. Oh, I know. Because we I were, read it too. I know which one you're talking about. We were talking about, about this um, a while back when we were swimming. And I was reading about the valves, and maybe you can clear up because I'm I'm still a little confused. Yeah, the story was... didn't quite explain what they do and what. I mean, I think there's really an option for explaining what situations cause for it. So, let, so let's step back a yeah. little bit. So this was a story that got our listeners one don't of the know. big blogs. I'm not going to name the blog, but it's one of the bigger ones out there. And uh, sometimes. You, uh, the blogs will re-release old stories if they don't have new content for the day or the week. Re- and that's fine because yeah, maybe you missed sometimes, it. Or- you know, if I wasn't following the blog five years ago, hey, great. Now I've got a, to me, it's a new article. Uh, so one of the blogs released an article from 20, I think it was 2013 from a, one of the industry experts on dive watches. And unfortunately it wasn't a very good article to start with. And for me, if you're going to re-release something, it better have been really good when you first released it in the initial publication. Otherwise, either have the author, the original author redo it or do a new one, but don't release something that wasn't very good to start with. And I, Well, you the know, intent was bluntly, there. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just an the article about, good. hey, what really are these things and why do you need them or not need them? But it didn't 
it left you hanging. Like there was, it, it lacked so much content in terms of what the helium release well, valve really was. And that's me, where, so you're like, what the yeah, heck does this mean? I like science and I like oceanography. So I love seeing the detail, you know, give me an actual uh, concrete example of how this works in real life. And just saying, well, if you're a desk diver, it doesn't matter. You don't need a helium release valve. Sure. I don't dive. I've never dove. I snorkel. So maybe um, you dive. So why don't, why don't you yeah. explain well, the, a situation where you would need that? The article know, did getting too in depth. It did talk a bit it mentioned like it's for dry helium environments under adept i think it might have said but what what Humans does that don't mean breathe. we don't breathe pure what helium, does this though. have to do why or what's helium doing i mean there was mm -hmm. so many details that were left out of it and so if you guys read it and came away thinking what the i still am missing a big chunk of this what does it all mean so um and I assume that's why you brought this up. You right. were going to ask me, right? Right, but because we breathe high uh, oxygen, nitrogen, and I don't know how the helium plays into it. So yeah, and we, I, I I studied chemistry, so I understand a little bit about chemical yeah. equations. Well, and that was what really disappointed me was the person that wrote this is is like I guess considered the expert on dive watches, um, but and he's a diver and he and maybe it was he, he was limited to words i don't know what the you know i'm not going to say that it was it was why it was done the way it was but as a diver i used to scuba dive and we had to learn about all this even though i wasn't going to be a commercial deep diver we still had to learn and study all this stuff so when you're a recreational scuba diver you have your tanks filled at a local store and all they're doing is compressing the air that we normally breathe around us every day what's right? in the Just tank the normal oxygen pure oxygen or oxygen no, no, it's, nitrogen it's oxygen nitrogen helium um uh co2 all this you know carbon dioxide See, i didn't know that everything that floats around in the air that we breathe that's just compressed into these Interesting. tanks i thought it was pure and you, oxygen and you breathe it while you're floating around underwater and down to about 100 feet it's fine but what you need to understand as a diver is that gases do different things as they get compressed and when you go down in the water and you get more water above you it creates more pressure and squeezes things it squeezes everything it squeezes you it squeezes the you know your your arteries and your veins and it squeezes the stuff inside your arteries and your blood i mean your everything eyeballs. gets squeezed right so what what they learned back in the 60s or 50s when really deep level commercial diving was was really getting its start and it came out of the military and then pretty soon they were constructing stuff deep underwater and drilling and all this stuff right so as you get down below 100 feet things start to change with the with the molecules of air that you're breathing so what they learned was that as you go deeper the nitrogen component in the air that we breathe as it compresses it does weird stuff to your brain called nitrogen narcosis and it basically you start to feel drunk and if you start feeling drunk underwater and you lose your bearing, you can die under there, right? So too much nitrogen can be bad. So, and then oxygen also can be bad. Um, forget the name. I think I've brought it up here. Ox you can get something called oxygen toxicity, which can lead to lots of bad stuff I'm not going to talk about. Like As hyperventilation almost or? No, but it can do things to your lungs and your eyes and your central nervous system and all kinds of stuff. Like when you pull a rock cod up from deep sea fishing and the poor thing's eyes are like... Well, that's just the air inside out. of it that expands too fast and oh. pushes like organs out. But um, Sorry, folks. We but anyway, so <laughs> nitrogen and oxygen in too high of a quantity at depth can do bad stuff. So what they did learn was that helium 
is much more benign at depth. So when, when you start reading, when you see manufacturers talking about helium release valves and how they're so great and it's a better dive watch because of it, it's, it's all marketing BS. And here's why. As a, as a deep water industrial or commercial diver, if you had to go up and down, you know, if you're at the surface and you had to go down and work at 450 feet, it takes a long time to get down there because you have to do it slowly to let your body adjust to it. And then it takes even longer to come back up because as you're coming up, all the air and all those molecules of different types of, of uh, elements are expanding and you have to let them expand slowly out of your bloodstream or you get something called the bends. So it made more sense to create underwater living environments for these guys, right? So you basically have like an apartment that's underwater, that's sealed, it's dry, right? Like the movie Abyss. Yeah, if you guys have seen the movie Abyss, it was an underwater environment that people lived in, but it's pressurized to depth. Now, I don't want to interrupt, but is it different diving down versus going in a submarine? Because a submarine's pressurized, correct? Yeah. Does this matter yeah. with a, a submarine? I a submarine's got the same. You know, I'm not an expert, gases. but I do know that submarines are pressurized. I don't know if they're pressurized to sea level or a certain depth, but. Uh, I think they're pressurized to sea level because those things can dive down to thousands of feet very fast and it would kill you if they, right. if you had to deal with the pressures. So the, the submarine, the, ex, the outside of a submarine absorbs that pressure. It's, it's built to withstand it so it doesn't get to the humans inside. Um, but the point was, if you're working on a big project, all that time coming up and down and decompressing, it wasted a ton of time. So these guys had to live underwater at the pressure they were working so they could wake up in the morning, put on their gear, go right out into the water. Like it's the pipeline? Same... Like, uh, like well, Alaska pipeline type stuff? It or... could be pipeline, underwater pipelines. It could be cables. It could be drilling rigs. It could be anything. Oh. So they lived under there for days at a time in their dry environment. Well, they, they lived their normal life, ate, drank, whatever. Um, and then when they went out to work, they were already at the right pressure. So they could stay out there for hours and they breathed a a different mixture, something either called trimix or there was a couple different things, but trimix is oxygen, helium, and nitrogen with less oxygen and nitrogen and increased helium because helium doesn't have those bad toxic effects as much of them as those other two components. So they increase the helium, decrease oxygen and nitrogen. Well, you breathe that, that same mix, whether you're in the dry environment, living environment, or outside breathing off of tanks as you're working in the water. So because helium is those those molecules are really small and at depth they're even smaller because they're compressed really tightly right so our watches that we wear even if they're waterproof they're not a they're not airproof okay certain molecules like helium molecules when these guys are living in the dry environment those molecules can sneak past the seals in our like, watches like your crown your pushers yep your even crystal. the case back the crystal seal all that stuff they can sneak in there when you're down there, it's not a big deal. But when these divers came up from these living environments and things expanded, it would pop the crystal off because those all the, the molecules, those helium molecules would start expanding as there was less pressure pushing them down and they, and they would pop the case off. I think Rolex was the first to um, do this on the Sea Dweller, but theirs is a little flush against the side of the case you don't it's not some big ugly tumor sticking out like on the seamaster 300 the omega which i, I thought the doxa was the first thing. technically doxa supposedly was the first to offer it to um normal civilian uh, customers got it 
as a mar- it's strictly a marketing ploy, right? Hey, our deep sea divers use this. You should use it too while you're desk diving. So anyway, that is the whole reason for a release valve. It's just a one-way valve that is either manually operated by the user, like on the Seamaster 300, um, or more preferably, it's automatic. It's flush with the side of the case, and it just has a little spring in it that as, as that pressure builds inside the watch, the helium is expanding. It compresses that spring, opens a little check valve, and the helium can escape. That's all it's for. And we're again, we're talking about divers that live underwater for days at a time at huge depths, breathing this special mix. In a habitat. In a habitat. Underwater. If you're out diving recreationally at 100 feet, this does no good for you. Even if you're recreationally diving to 200 feet, it does no good for you because if you're breathing that trimix, like you start at the surface, you go down, you're breathing a trimix, your watch is not subjected to that in a dry environment. It has nothing no, to it's do underwater. with being yeah. pressurized in a water environment. So that was a really, really long explanation I didn't intend to, <laughs> to include, but uh, I guess the point is I really like to see more complete information included in articles, especially if they're going to re-release it. It just, I don't feel that was a good article to start with. It should not have been a re-release because it just, again, leaves people with too many questions. It's a great topic though. Yeah, it's fun. It's interesting. So yeah, don't worry about it guys. Even if you're divers, <laughs> you do not need a helium release. Valve. Unless you're on a project like the abyss and you're going to be under there for two weeks. Yeah, then you're a commercial diver and you're living in a helium-rich, dry environment underwater for days at a time. So so that was what that's all about. Uh, let's see, let me redo my screen here. What the heck have we been up to for three months? And we've had... Well, so first of all, thank you to all of our listeners who were worried about us and like, hey, oh, are you guys okay? We're we're, we miss you. We want to make sure everything's okay. Um, Y'all know we have certain health challenges that we have to deal with. Well, but- we have a large property with lots of animals that require attention and when it gets hot out yep things get trickier well and really we get busier this whole big span of time started with my work schedule i'm in sales we we had a tough year this year and in the last quarter so our fiscal year ends at the end of july which is kind of weird um so may june july my company kind of owns me because mm-hmm. we're you know, but it's in it's my best push. interest to work hard yeah, to get the sales push. in. And this year, because it was a tough year, we were even pushing harder to try to bring deals in. And so it just, I was working, excuse me, so many hours that combined with uh, more construction in the backyard and yeah. on the roof, literally half the roof was torn off. They were extending the roof as a patio cover. And it so was very it was noisy, hammering and noisy, yeah. very difficult Stressful. environment to record. And we would have had to go somewhere else to record. And I'm not going to pick all this gear up and and move it um so that was one thing and honestly i just kind of i enjoyed the break i needed a bit of a break from watches and the watch world and instagram and i i haven't really looked much at instagram for like two months i think i've been trying to hold it together yeah and you've been doing a a great job doing that but it was just uh you know like all social media i think most social media platforms they start off as wonderful ideas with great intent but unfortunately, due to human nature, they kind of devolve into areas where people yeah. can attack one another or just big popularity contests, which frankly, Instagram has become. And it's a little bit unfortunate because as watch people, you know, the whole point of Instagram was sharing pictures with pe- like-minded it's people. It's like, wow, that's a cool watch. Yeah, I and love for looking the at watch the watch community, that was like the perfect mm-hmm. ultimate 
the perfect place, but it's it's almost become like I call Facebook brag book. It's become a lot of that of bragging well, and, that and just popularity contests and who has the most followers. And so I needed a break from that too. And the show relies a lot, unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, on Instagram. It's how we get our name out there. It's right, how that's people discover us because right. the watch world gravitates to Instagram. So I needed a little break from that, just to be perfectly honest. We probably could have figured out how to get recording done, but I just needed to step away. In the process of all this construction, we had junk all over this recording desk. I mean, it yeah, was so foot, crazy in here. One of their feet came through the wall, the ceiling, and I'm actually looking at a yeah, hole in Yeah, there's a big hole trial. in the ceiling in here when they were working up there on the roof that still has to be fixed. So just all kinds of stuff. And so I think it was about three weeks ago. We're like, let, let's get this going. Construction was slowing down. They weren't, there wasn't a lot of hammering and noise. We could have right. done it. And then two weeks ago tomorrow, so two weeks ago tomorrow, which is Tuesday, um, I was doubled over in pain at like 1, 1 a.m. in the morning. Knew exactly what it was because I've had them before. It was a kidney stone. Multiple so stones. PG took me to the ER and they did the CT scan and... The doctor came in and looked at it and said, okay, you got a kidney stone. I'm like, yeah, it's no, huge. no kidding. I've had these before. I've had a couple surgeries for them past tens Ten of these things. Mm-hmm. But he says, it's too big. You're not going to pass it on your own. It's just not going to happen. So I'm thinking, okay, they're going to check me into the hospital. So I go home and sleep for two hours. So you go home and sleep. And feed animals. And I'm drugged out, you know, because they're, they're trying to get your pain under control. It is the... Probably some of the worst pain a normal human being will ever experience. Your your oh, mother yeah. had them, and she had four kids, and she said she the said kidney stone was the worse than yeah. the, the childbirth. So it's excruciating pain. And so like around 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. Oh, yeah, so you needed an advocate, in, basically. I'm completely, yeah. you know, gorked out of my mind on these meds, which are terrible. He literally signed an X on his paper. You signed an X. Oh, did I? Apparently. That's funny. And I wasn't there and I feel bad. So, so they, anyway, people, they be an advocate me. for your partners. Yeah, they, they discharge. They're like, your pain's under control. We're discharging you. I texted PG and said, okay, come get me. They're discharging me. And I'm like, what? And so, you know, long story short, at 7 p.m. that night, we were back in back. the ER with excruciating yeah, pain. Total of four trips to speed up the process here. Wednesday, <laughs> I did, Wednesday was good. Thursday, I ended up driving myself. And I sat in the parking lot for half an hour, doubled over in the car in pain, hoping it would go away because I didn't want to go back to the ER. And then you did come But then Friday, we were back in the ER again for a third time. Finally, they gave me the surgery. Friday afternoon. Friday. Um, And then I think the the weekend was just in recovery mode and not, you know, they put stuff in there. It's just, it's It's horrible. It's not a fun procedure. And then the following Tuesday, I had... Post-operative Very pain. Bad, we were scary, scary. Back in the ER. Horrible pain. So he was okay. To the ER. He was okay. Finally, on Friday, the stent came out. They took the stent out, and you've been good. Yesterday, I was the first day with no pain. I felt human. Yeah. So, but that was literally two weeks of in and out of the ER surgery. Just and, oh, and then you oh, and then topping up in the it ER. off, I get my routine chemo a few days ago, which keeps me on my toes, so to speak. And I had a reaction to it, which I haven't had in like five years. So I, I literally puffed up like a puffer fish. And they couldn't get it under control. So then I ended up over at the ER with five paramedics hauling me across the street in an ambulance. So and I'm me, like, and really? my, my mom with you, because she had taken you to chemo because I was wasn't feeling me good. Up. <laughs> so then me driving still. You didn't know. There was no cell signal. Worked out on meds and driving to. And then it was just. It was a circus. It has been two weeks of 
we just got to the point where we were laughing. It was so ridiculous and such a pain in the butt. And needless so to stupid. say, you're off this week. We're having a staycation. We are having on um, today's Monday, the first day of my staycation. It was going to be more of a vacation, but now obviously it's more of just a week of recovery, which would yeah. be nice. We're just going to relax, sit by the pool, take some swims, and sit by the pool and spend time with the animals. But we've been talking, yeah, we've been talking a lot about watches though, and that's we're yeah we're kind of I think that's what we're sort of doing today with the podcast is revisiting why we do it and it's yeah. all started and i won't talk too much because i know you have a well, lot no, here, that's let's go let's get into it this is what we're here to talk about we today. like I, I try to have a good segue into each topic so yeah. this all started when i was as you know reviewing and proofreading your reviews for and, wristwatchreview.com yeah, and, and i started learning and i've always i've collected watches my whole life not many but I was reading all these reviews and thinking, wow, these are great watches. And then, you know, it would pop up on, um, what's the, uh, the thing where you pledge your money to buy it. And I can't think I have oh, chemo brain Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Yeah. So, Oh, this one's on Kickstarter. I want it. It's like 200 bucks. Mm. And, and you're like, honey, this thing's 45 millimeters. I'm like, what? So this kept going on and on. I'm like, well, why is it that all the ladies watches are tiny and have diamonds and they're pink? So I started getting, we started having a lot of really good discussion and that's how this morphed into a podcast. It wasn't ever about me or us doing a podcast. It was just about, I just happened to be proofreading and noticing. And there's, there's a huge gap in the watch world where people with small wrists or ladies who want to collect can actually buy the same watch a man has, but smaller like a 36 millimeter Explorer versus a 39 or the smaller frame sub or just any watch that has a smaller frame without just sticking a big bezel of diamonds on it and charging you extra for a quartz movement with diamonds on it. So I think that's why we wanted to do a podcast is that we wanted to share our thoughts with people and teach people a little bit about what we're looking at and you'll make it fun and, 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 you know, and let's be clear. It was started out as a joke because you were, complaining about a watch you were frustrated again about a watch that was going to be way too big for you and why do they do this these manufacturers and i jokingly knowing a hundred percent that you would say oh that's stupid no way i jokingly said well then let's do a podcast and talk about it and you totally surprised me and said yeah let's do it so let's do it all of a sudden i'm buying all this stuff and and you you bought the recording studio and and all this crazy stuff and yeah and I guess at the end of the day, we do it because we just enjoy doing it. We like talking about it. We like spending time together. We share a hobby. Let's share it with the world. Let's, let's, you know, it, it, we all know if you see someone in the wild, the wild of the world wearing a watch and you approach them and say, Hey, cool watch. Usually you get the, the weird, like, like the, are you yeah. a weirdo look? Mm-hmm. Right. And they don't know anything about it. And so this is a really fun way to kind of share this with you guys with all other watch lovers right even though we're not sitting in the same room we're we feel like we know all you guys and we're we're all talking about this together and so that's why we did it and there's a lot of podcasts out there and they're all different some talk about multiple subjects watches and other things and some most are men we've got a new podcast now with two ladies so that's going to be Which I think just like ju- they, they just, just started the and I I'm sorry girls I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah. I've just been you've heard our week so far. But But I guess the bottom line is we're like the A lot of them have come out since we started. I mean when we started ours there were there were only I think one or two that were still active. There'd been some older ones that hadn't done anything for a while, but there yeah, was, was one two or two that were active. Snobs. But 
you know, there was like the Grenado and there's maybe a couple others, but it was still relatively untapped, especially for us, for what we wanted to do, be the, you know, first podcast with a female co-host, first podcast like almost two with years a married ago couple. Now. Yeah. yeah, it was a couple years ago or whatever it was. And yeah. No, it was... Well, yeah, it was a year Almost and a half. Two years, a year and a half yeah. ago, it was April 2018. So I think mostly we just wanted to be inclusive of everybody and not just men and not just ladies, diamond dress watches. It's more like all gender, all interest, all budget. And yeah. some some of the old, old podcasts were very high, all high-end stuff, which is great. If you can afford that, that's Oh, fantastic. your term, hoity-toity. Yeah. I love that term. Hoity-toity. Uh, snobby. But not but, all of them were. I mean... no. Mike and Kaz at Two Broke Watch Snobs, they've sucked me into the watch podcasting. I, I love their show. They're funny. They were a big inspiration for us. But yeah. also since we started ours, there's probably been five or six new podcasts. I mean, it's almost like monthly you guys are getting hit with a new watch podcast. And so part of me needing a break and thinking through all this was, are we just more noise out there? Are we wasting our time? Is it is it saturated and are we not unique enough? You know, because we're, we're budget. We don't. You know, we don't do, we, we haven't been making money at it. So I'm thinking, why are we still doing this? And at the end of the day, we sat down and we said, look, we don't want to just be two more people out there droning on about the same topics, the same watches, the same news releases, well, the same stuff. You say budget and th and that's where we, I feel we're a little different because not only are we all genders, but all budgets. I've got some fantastic fans that we follow each other that love Invicta and a lot of the smaller mm -hmm. brands. And that's totally okay. A lot of people hate certain brands. And yeah. I don't think that's really fair because what if you can't afford it? I think there's a watch for everyone. Well, if you don't like and a I brand. And I have a lot of Invictus. Yeah, and that, that's fine if you don't like a brand. And, and you know, we, it's we up have, to you. There's some brands that we have trouble with and we'll talk about why we have trouble with them. But what I don't like is, oh, they that brand sucks. Yeah. Okay, well, how about some context? Maybe other people don't think that. And mm -hmm. so I don't I don't like that attitude. There's there's a watch out there for everybody. But, you know, we, we sat down and we said we do it because we love it. And we had so many of you guys reaching out saying we miss you so much. You're a favorite podcast or, mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. We just felt like we had to get back on the air. We got to keep doing this, right? There, there's other podcasts you can listen to. You may, you may only listen to us. You might listen to us and one or two others. I don't know. But at the end of the day, we still feel that we, if we can offer something unique in this world of, of watches and watch podcasting specifically, then we should keep doing it. Well, and right? I think honesty is important too. I think if we have any criticism of, you know, I've criticized large brands before just because of how they represented women in the market and I think that's okay. Everyone's got an opinion. You have to be able to say what you feel. One well, as we've said before, if you can't take criticism, you should not be involved in the social media world or the media world, period, because people are going to criticize you. We've had people post on our website and rip us apart. And hey, it's, I don't, I don't rip others apart. I will give someone my thoughtful opinion as best I can. But at the end of the day, if you're going to put yourself out there like we have and like others have, don't expect everyone to gush over you. And your thing, whatever your thing is, right? And I don't expect well, we everyone get, to gush over us. Some we people get corrected. Not, it's not going to be their thing. We've right? got, had technical corrections, and I totally appreciate that because we never claim to know everything about watches. So well, when yeah, someone says, experts. no, this doesn't work this way, it's like, oh, shoot, I'm, I'm going to adjust that and fix that. I get that. That's I want people to correct me. But I think sometimes social media can get a little unkind and people read Very between unkind. the lines. And yeah. sometimes people just... It's uh, ridiculous. They're not quite getting context and they need to step back and yeah be, i be, mean be adult need, about it <laughs> you need to be just as ready to accept 
criticism as you are to be elated when someone says, you guys are awesome, right? I mean, that's fun. When someone tells you they love what you're doing, it feels great. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you need to be prepared to take criticism and and try to, even if it's not delivered in a nice way, you need to try to listen to it and, and say, is this valid? Is this something we can change? And we've tried to do that over time. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, the, the podcast has stayed pretty... It, it stayed pretty consistent and we're not, you know, we're, we're not at retirement age, but we're not 20 years old, right? We're, we're in our forties and fifties. We're Gen X's, which is a Gen small X's, segment very of people. small, very small generation. And, and we're not the type, you know, these days, the way to make a quick buck is through social media. It, that is how to make a quick in dollar. All, yeah. All topics. You come up all with topics. something that is, is. A, a big hit, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube or Instagram or whatever, you try to go after the, a lot of people will do this. I'm not seeing everyone, but that's the way to make a quick buck. You, you promote the heck out of it. You get a bunch of, you know, junk product brands that are being kicked out of some factory in China or whatever to advertise with you. You make money in a short, a short haul and then you bail and you do something else. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the junk, like Amazon the junk, or the junkie Kickstarter watches, right? These, a lot of these, they're not watch people. They don't care about watches. They just find, hey, I can get production runner watches done, make X amount of money. I can make 20 grand and I bail. I'm out. And then there's no support. There's no follow-up. There's no nothing. Yeah, so it's right? like a single uh, endeavor. And that's not our it's not our MO. It never will be. We're not of that generation. I think it is a specific generation for the most part. It's not us. We won't ever do that. So that might hurt us in the long run. It might not. But I think if you offer a genuine product that people enjoy over mm-hmm. time, it's just going to continue to grow and get better. Right? And that's, that's the sentence that I see is the reason for our podcast is why do people even listen to podcasts in the first place? Yeah. Podcasts, people listen to them to learn. Well, to be entertained. Or be entertained. Yeah. Or be entertained. So if I go out and listen to a podcast on um, a certain type of diet for autoimmune or whatever I'm doing for my health these days... I'm doing it because I want to learn something because there's someone out there that knows a little more or they can get me thinking. So I think us having a unique view as a husband, wife, as a woman collector, as a uh, male collector, starting later in life collecting, um, we want to share that view with people. And if people are, have a small wrist or they're a lady or they're, uh, you know, just someone who's has a very little budget who can't spend Mm -hmm. a lot on a collection. I think that's where we kind of offer some ideas and some fun. Totally. Because we've got a range. I mean, I'll, I'll post a, a $14 Casio one day and I'll post a Santos Cartier the next day. So I yeah. think you can, I don't want to see snobbery. Yeah, exactly. And if someone asks me a question about something, it doesn't matter which watch it is. I, I'm going to answer. And we will call out the snobbery very quickly. I am not ashamed to call out snobbery. If I think <laughs> someone's being a snob, I'm going to call them out on it because it just drives me crazy. I don't like being talked down to. And well, that's you the guys thing don't is treat either. everybody the way you so want to be So we don't treated. want to talk yeah. down to other people. I mean, and, and again, you listen to podcasts for different reasons, maybe for entertainment, maybe for learning, maybe for both. You know, when I started listening to, to the guys at Two Brook Watch Knobs, I was already much more involved in the hobby. And so probably my knowledge level was either on par or maybe uh, more than them. I didn't necessarily always learn, listen to learn. I listen because they're fun. They entertain me. I right. mean, they kept me company on my long commutes. They're great guys. I've gotten to know both of them. And 
But then I, oh, the nice side effect is I learned a lot. I didn't oh, know anything yeah. about Russian watches. Right. Kaz we taught found, me so much about Russian watches and he still does. We found a lot of and, good price point of automatic watches and really unique things that you can collect with not a whole lot of money. Yeah. And the not point every, is... Not everybody can afford a, a, a Rolex. And we're not all going to be experts on everything, right? We may, I may know more about the intricate pieces of a movement because I actually dig into them and... You've you done know, the sometimes classes, fix yeah. them, but mostly just break them worse. But <laughs> he's but good at taking them apart. Very good at taking them <laughs> apart. Not so good at putting them back together. But I'm not going to be expert an expert in in a Russian watch or aviation watch. You know, Mike knows a lot about aviation watches. He's got an aviation background, so he focuses on that. And so you're still going to learn from people, even if you're just being entertained. And we hope that our podcast can do both we hope you can we can entertain you guys which I, I think for the most part we do and we hope we can maybe educate you even if it's just a you know one minute of education in a hour and a half podcast hopefully it was worth it well and it's and it's what you love i like i've said from the beginning buy what you love love what you buy and then if you don't like it sell it get something else i mean it doesn't yep it, it there's no rule it's like wine there's no rule if you want to drink box wine drink box wine if you want to spend a hundred dollars on a bottle of wine Instead of buying ten bottles of ten dollar wine, it's just like watches. You yep. can you can you can go anywhere with that. And this is a hobby of buying and selling. For a long time, we were only buying. We were accumulating, and it got ridiculous. We haven't sold it many. Just, we sold we one. Sold some. We, one. <laughs> we've sold two. We oh, sold we our Christopher Wards. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, Three now. Uh, we sold the Rolex Bluesy, and I just just recently put my Oris Carl Brashear chronograph up for sale, and that was a the tough bronze. one. Yeah. But it was a limited edition. An impulse purchase because it's such an awesome looking watch. But y'all know I'm not a patina guy. I like shiny. I like new. I tried. He likes you, you can't tarnex it every week though. You're going to ruin the metal. So it's like mm. it it needs to go to someone who can appreciate that the dynamic nature of that metal, which is what I put in the ads. But so that that one's for sale. If anyone's interested, contact me. But at the end of the day, this is a hobby of buying and selling and learning. And for a lot of people, it's upgrading, right? It's buying a few watches and then selling them all for that next grail piece, which is, which is really great. cool too. That's, I mean, sometimes I think about that. We could sell all of our watches and get two probably really, really nice watches, but. Except I'll be afraid to wear it by myself out in the. You're afraid to wear public. it and it doesn't fit every occasion. So we're more, we like to have multiple watches and an upcoming episode, we're going to talk about, you know, maybe a like the ultimate three or five watch collection. That's, that's one of the plans, yep. but we've already got notes for that. So one. that, and that's, we want to let you know, there's been a lot of thinking going on in the background. Why we do this? Are we offering a unique product? Um, and then kind of moving forward. So what's next? And one of the big things we've always said is we're not in this to make money, right? Well, we're, we're just true. not, we're not in this to make money. We do it for fun. Having said that, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of, it takes money to produce right. these things. And we've come a long way since we started a year and a half or almost two years ago. So we oh, have, no, you know, but we've got a lot of money invested in this from equipment to storage fees for the podcast to business licenses. Yes, we have a business license to giveaways that we've purchased giveaways, watches, all kinds of different stuff. And business that cards. was one of the things we talked about is if we're going to keep doing this, we're, we're, this is not, we're not doing this to get rich. This no. is not a second but career for me. But it's almost like me. we hit a, pl a plateau in what do we do next? It, it felt, it did feel that way. And so we started looking at, okay, if we we do need to somewhat monetize this and we're going to talk about that. What does that mean? But we don't, we're not looking to get rich. We'd like to be able to cover our costs of the show. 
uh, of producing the show, whether that's the costs of, you know, website registration or mm-hmm. storage or a trip to Couture Time to come back to bring you guys live news from the show. And, you know, there's those types of things that we've and we've all come we've come out of pocket for. And, you know, we're getting to the age now when you start talk, thinking about retirement mm-hmm. and we don't want to be dipping into those funds to, to do the show. So well, and along that line, a goal for me being an animal rights and animal advocate, I would love to make our, you know, cover some of our costs and also be able to do something philanthropic, like give back Mm -hmm. to my two favorite charities, my waterfall charities that I, that I love. So, cause you know, they're making the world a better place and they're advocates for a a segment of animals that don't have any advocates. So that's, that's something like Oris does for children with blindness all over the world. Oris gives back, you know, I'm sure Rolex and all the big ones give back, but it's, that would be that would make me feel good. Yeah, and and that was one of the topics of conversation when we started talking about monetization. Was okay. How do we make enough to cover the show? Um, pay us a little bit. I mean, I, I I have a career. You you have you know you're on disability, and we so we've got our income right. We have income. We're not looking to have a big supplemental income. But it would be nice to be able to pull a little bit from the show and add to the retirement. But we also want to be able to give back. We want to be able to give back to charities that we give to personally. It'd be awesome to be able to more easily do that, to do that yeah. through the show, right? To, to do that through the show. So we talked about that. And in terms of, of monetization, we kind of went through and said, what are our options? And so we've, we've listed some of that out that I want to talk about. And option number one, which is the most obvious, I think, when it comes to social media is crowdfunding. And so you guys have heard Patreon, right? Pretty much every podcast has a Patreon website. Every YouTube channel has a Patreon website. A lot, a lot of Facebook. I mean, crowdfunded social media efforts seem to be the way to go this day Well, see, I, I originally only saw Patreon and those kinds of funding vehicles for 501Cs. I, had, I, I don't know how I feel about it for non-501Cs. Well, yeah. And but I, I guess and that's the way of the, the world now. We, I have a, a bit of a... It leaves a bad I taste in my slanted, mouth sometimes. Yeah, it's maybe a slanted view of this type of funding. And it works great for, for some. Well, you we, give, it's not you something give on that Patreon. we've ruled out. You I do think, it. Yeah, what happened was when Patreon first started, unfortunately, I think in the early days, it brought out kind of the worst society had to offer, right? It was a lot of negligible characters with their hand out trying to figure out how to buy that cool boat or car or house. Uh, and there ended up being when, when these types of crowdfunding things hit the airwaves and people started using them. There's a lot of stories in the news about someone being caught, you know, with a brand new house in the Florida Keys and a speedboat and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And all that money had come from Patreon and they didn't do anything. They didn't lift a finger. There was no product. It was a big smoke screen. Same as GoFundMe, but I, I've only seen it used for 501C and, and the yeah, occasional news used, story where it's abused. I've seen it used like, you know, for me coming from the racing world, I've seen a lot of young racing drivers just, hey, give here's me money. my GoFundMe. Give me money. to. Go. It's like, no, that, sorry, that's not how it works, dude. You got to get out and work. Well, we were, to work that's a total different generation. We were not raised with any of that. that we were raised nothing. to work hard, yes, come up with ask. a business plan and make your money. Unless um, it's your parents. Then you ask your parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So, so I guess the bottom line was it's been hard for us to make the transition. And the good news is a lot of that early garbage has been weeded out, right? You can only hide from the IRS for so long before they eventually 
the government's going to catch you. And so a lot of that was weeded out. It has become a really excellent funding funding vehicle for things like podcasts. It, it can be difficult to monetize social media. And Patreon has ended up being a really good way to do it. If you produce a product that people love and want to continue to listen to or view like on YouTube, Patreon can be a really good way to do that. And like you said, I, I donate to Two Broke Watch Noms. We give mm-hmm. those guys money every month because they entertain I us. love the product. They mm-hmm. entertain me. It's a great show. So we continue, even to this day, we've had our podcast for a year and a half. I still contribute to those guys. They're awesome. So I definitely recommend you go to their Patreon page <laughs> if you like their what their offering is and, you know, contribute. So in that way, it's awesome. You know, I don't think, I don't think Two Broke Watch Snobs would be where they are today without Patreon. So it's been like a godsend for them. Really good. Right, they and went I, to that show I in Hong Kong them. and yeah. they, they did live watch news from there which was fantastic and i'm sure that enabled them to do that yep so our initial gut reaction is patreon's not for us that may change i don't know i set up a patreon page when i when we first started the podcast a year and a half ago we have i did not know that but i haven't gone live with it so it's there it's an option i i don't know if we're gonna take that option it's still under consideration so that's the first one. Option number two, good old fashioned advertising. The the bane of everyone's existence when watching TV and it gets to the, mm. the really exciting part and they cut for commercial, right? That's when it comes to traditional media like radio, which we're, we're pretty much pre-recorded radio, right? That's what we are. And it's just, it's coming to you over a different transmission medium than, than traditional radio. But that was how radio was funded. I mean, yeah. you know, you had the disc jockey playing music and then you had ads popping in. Or soap operas on TV, the soap companies. And we're talking a long time ago. It's traditional media lives on advertising, on traditional advertising. And it can be very invasive and we all, we can all hate it, right? Advertisements on TV and radio. It's like, ugh, ads, mute, go to the bathroom, get a soda, <laughs> Go to the kitchen. <laughs> whatever, you know, and... And unfortunately, it's been used in some negative ways um, in this market. And, you know, there was there was a pod, a watch podcast that came out a while ago that I think I listened to two episodes and I couldn't. They had they had started with a lot of backing. Um, they were already known in the industry to start with a lot of backing. Literally, the first five minutes of that show was one of the hosts reading ad copy. And I got and yeah, you can hit the skip the five, you know, 30 second skip or whatever. I got so sick of it, I don't listen. I never listened to that podcast because it was just overkill on the advertising. Mm. Um, there's a there's a racing podcast I listen to. Lots of advertising. So I will take breaks from that thing. And and that hurts them because I'm not listening to their advertising. But there's a, there's a balance. You've got to have a balance. You can't inundate people with five minutes of advertising before you even start talking to them about the topic. You just... Really, really bad model. So... We, we have to, if we do that, we need, we need to figure out how to balance it. Right. And there's way, you know, you could have a sponsored by show where you take, you take 30 seconds at the beginning of a show to say today's show sponsored by X, Y, Z, this is what they have to offer. Then you get into the, well, if you're supposed to be, you know, unbiased journalists, now you're, now you're advertising for money. So there's just well, it a depends lot of- on who the advertiser is. If it's a watch company, yes, but if it's a jewelry store, no, or a yeah. or any kind of a another media 
outlet. Well, we already give free advertising to people that we like, right? Whether it's Devin's Jewelers or Great Guys. I mean, <laughs> they're getting lots of free advertising from us or even Mike and Kaz at Two Broke Watch Knobs, whatever it is. I mean, we're we're going to tell you guys what we personally like, whether you choose to like it as well. And that, that's a whole nother Well, deal, that's the but... thing is we don't want to have to be biased because sometimes I'll read story, big, big um, outlet watch reviews and it'll be a hideous watch and they're like this is the best thing ever right and then you look at their website and, and it's they're sponsored huge by big ads yeah. for months and months or i mean yeah that sometimes that can be tough with the big watch blogs well, that happened they're taking at, in a lot of money from manufacturers that so, happened at the big show last year with um who was that that made that watch that everyone didn't like and then the reviews all came out and it was fantastic oh the the um it wasn't a patek was it no it was a big one. I can't even remember anymore. I can't either. But I have it was, chemo brain. Sorry, folks. Anyway, it's you got to be careful with that too because we don't want to lose your trust. We yeah. want you guys to. I mean, we want to be genuine. We we feel we always are genuine. Um, we we tell you the good and the bad and the ugly and well, and we don't claim to know everything, and that's why we love also having mm-hmm. guests because we find we've got some people who are really really expert in their niche. Well, we're not afraid to offend manufacturers if we think what they're doing is wrong or in our eyes, it's unfair to the consumer. You know, we're, I mean, I don't have Cartier and Omega and Rolex sending me review watches all the time. So I'm not worried that they're going to stop sending me watches that they're already not sending me. So whatever. I mean, I'm. Or all those fancy parties on the yacht. Is kind of underhanded marketing garbage. I'm going to tell you it's underhanded marketing garbage. So that's that part of it the other thing is advertising it's a catch-22 you're not going to get someone to advertise with you unless you have a big enough reach but you can't get the big enough reach without advertising to bring in the money to advertise more so it's just a it's a catch-22 right like you have to have a certain number of followers on youtube to be able to link anything to yeah we'll talk a little bit about that too um so traditional advertising it it is an option we might do some sponsored buy shows but we're not going to inundate you guys with five minutes of advertising it would be a quick you know, 20, 30 seconds at the beginning, sponsored by so-and-so, go to the website to check them out. Boom, period, done. We move on. We're not going to inundate you guys yeah. with, and you know, Instagram's, with ad copy. Instagram's just kind of an odd animal anyway. Like I, I like for a while there, I wasn't seeing anybody's posts. You're I had regular paid people. advertisements now. I did. I didn't see constantly. any of my regular guys and, and no one saw mine. And I'm thinking, and it's odd because the Love & Watches is almost at a thousand, but my personal is 2000. So... I don't want to go switching the name of my personal account to Love and Watches to get more people. Which people do. Which people do. They I do just that. won't do that because I have my no. own personal. I want to look at my pictures of birds and animals and horses and you know well, that's yeah. it's separate than the Love and Watches. So and on I, Instagram, I don't know how it works. If you're, I think if you're targeted, if they realize you are not just an individual sharing pictures, you're a like for us, we're not we're not a profitable business, but I guess you can call us a business. We're an entertainment enterprise. And I think if you get labeled in their system as that, you get dumped. You get dumped unless you're giving them money, right? Unless you're feeding the corporate machine of Instagram, you're not you're not going to be getting put. And and that's what we're finding with, and that's what frustrates the heck out of me is followership followership on the Love and Watches account is it's taken forever just to get to a thousand followers, and they changed their algorithms right before we kind of came online. Mm-hmm. And a lot of you out there have had to deal with it. It's a major pain in the butt. There's, you're not, you can't start an Instagram account today and 
get to 10,000 followers in a couple months. It just doesn't happen well, anymore. Well, I, I got to 1,000 in like three or four months, and, and then it stopped. stopped cold. And then I, I see a lot of people, they're at like 23,000 in a year, and it's like, how on earth is there? They're buying. Is, okay. They're giving so money to Instagram. They're getting paid advertisements. Yeah, I'm not going to go Or they're there. buying followers. You can do that too, and that's not But that's not that's organic. Phony. That's not real people that, no, that like phony. watches. It's just fake accounts. Yeah, so we're, we're kind of so getting off into a tangent keep, yeah, on Instagram. but We're trying to keep genuine I in guess terms of say. in terms of any advertising we might do it's it will be minimally intrusive because that's we want to be about watches on this show and our prime we're a podcast that's our thing we're mm-hmm. not that is our medium and that kind of brings me to the next topic is youtube because a lot of podcasts have started as podcasts and moved into youtube or People started on YouTube. I mean, we all know YouTube is the place where a 10-year-old can make tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars doing toy unboxings. unboxing videos. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. And for me, it's stupid. However. On the other hand. However, I've gotten feedback from some of the people we've had review watches from. Oh, excuse me. Um, and they've said, I've said, hey, so how do you, how would you prefer to see a review? I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, but... I kind of gave it back to them and say, do you want a video review? Do you want a written review? And some say, hey, video review would be really cool. So I think yeah. I'd kind of like to start doing that because I think I would be able to be more timely at it. I'd have the watch right in front of me. I could talk about it, touch it. And, you know, if life gets in the way, I'm not like, oh, geez, I got to take pictures of that and get it back. Yeah. I, I've got, I owe people reviews and I feel horrible about it. So, well, we've got reviews backed up for months know, right now. It's I ridiculous. Know. And we've done all the photos and done, worn them and fantastic watches. So I owe some, some apologies. fantastic, some yeah. not so fantastic, but, yeah. but so I, I agree with that. And I, where I was going was, I think it's stupid that, that someone can make so much money doing so little. On the other hand, would we be stupid, just as stupid for not taking advantage of it? <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing, just like we did with this podcast, we're only going to do it if we can do it well, if we can produce good quality. And it's one thing to do a podcast of high quality because the the gear that you need to purchase is not, it's not, super financially prohibitive i mean for some people well, it's it might not be cheap though but for us you know we've probably got 1500 2000 into the gear between the bar the boards and the microphones and headphones and i mean just the list goes on right so youtube takes it to another level when you're talking about high quality video and everyone expects super high def video these days and mixing boards that can take multiple video sources and there's a but what lot if you're watch- more if you're watching on your phone though can't you kind of it doesn't matter it, that? It, again if i'm going to do it i'm not just going to be another one of these people that goes out and does a bunch of unboxing videos to try to get money now the one nice thing about youtube is if you offer a quality product and you start to build followers the advertising happens automatically right youtube just starts inserting those ads in your videos and you get profit from those ads so that's the one cool thing about that doesn't happen in the podcasting world, but it does happen in the video world on YouTube. So if you can do something well, you can make some money from that. And the cool thing is most of the time you can hit skip, right? So if you're watching a a watch review that we've put out or some other watch related topic video that we've put out and there's an ad, you can just say in five seconds, you skip the ad and you go on. Some people like to see the ads, right? Mm-hmm. There's generations that... For whatever reason, they like watching I, the ads. I have watched a few ads. 
Yeah, the ones I don't like are the ones that interrupt a video right in the middle. Mm -hmm. Or like five seconds after you started it. Yeah, but uh, so if we can do it well, we'll do it. And there's, when I talk about doing it well, it's the quality of the video. It's the equipment that you use. It's the production quality. I mean, the, the few videos that we've put out, I mean, shoot, I did our intro on PowerPoint. That's how I created our intro. Mm-hmm. It's, I wouldn't, I, I hate to say it's amateurish, although if you compare it to some of the amazing introduction videos on YouTube, it's amateurish, but I wanted something. I don't, I don't, there's a lot of videos where people just all of a sudden they appear and they start mm-hmm. talking. Well, I wanted something to identify identified it. us yeah. as a brand, identified the Love and Watches brand. It was consistent. So that's well, when why you're watching it for the, for the content, not for the intro. Yeah. But but it does, to me that's that's part of the production quality and the content. So it's like how do you produce a, uh, an intro? There's tools out there, but you got to buy them. Do you you know one option could be going to a local college and talking to a media professor and seeing if they had a kid that was going through do the an program and wanted to do an internship or needed to do a senior project, whatever. So that that's that's possible. Um, but I really want to do it on our own. I mean, I, I want to do this on our own. This is about you and I. And so I, I would like to, if I'm going to do it, I should probably just learn how to do it and see if I, you know, try and fail a bunch of times until I get it figured out. So it's a challenge and it's rewarding. You do it yourself. Just like when we were racing, we did it on a tiny, tiny budget and you were really good. So there's a, there's a serious amount of reward involved in doing it yourself. Yeah, and I think you need to have a, an interesting and again unique offering. There's there's millions of watch reviews on YouTube, and they're all the same, right? And and I'll admit the ones that we've put on are pretty much the same as every other watch review. I mean, they're mostly static. It's not so. If we're gonna do this, I want to figure out how to produce some really fun, high quality videos that aren't necessarily just watch reviews. Maybe they're us on a watch adventure or. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's other things that we can probably do. That or we doing interviews on about. site. Or, or interviews, things, yeah. live interviews or live broadcasts. So there's there's things that we can do. All of it takes money. Again, back to the money piece, right? It's this, this catch-22, but we want it to be unique. So where does that leave us? I think for me, it leaves us wanting to do YouTube, but not quite sure how to proceed. Does that sound yeah. accurate? Yeah, it's, it's it, like I said, we're we're on a natural progression with this. We started out, let's just do it for fun. And it took hold with us personally. And now we've, uh, it's progressing. So, okay. So let's go on to option four, the final, the final option, product branding or merchandising, which in this day and age is more commonly known as swag. Now stuff. Yeah. Stuff. Now product merchandising used to be, not a super affordable proposition because you had to come up with the design. You had to find someone that could produce the stuff for you. You then had to order a bunch of it and keep it on hand in stock. So you carried Think, inventory. Right? Things that you didn't know you needed. Yeah. So you carried inventory, which in the business world is a liability on the books because it's just sitting there not making you money. So, um, but these days it's become kind of a no brainer. And if you're, if you frequent YouTube a lot and you watch videos of, people that have lots of followers, AKA more than a thousand frequently underneath the video, you'll see a listing of products 
and that's from a company called Teespring. And they're not the only ones out there, but they're the most well-known. And what they do is they get rid of all that expensive overhead for you. <clears throat> so basically, you upload your logo or your design, and then you choose from their, you know, their bank of products that they offer, and you basically create a storefront and you link to it. So like Mike and Kaz are doing this now with two rock watch knobs. A lot of people on YouTube do it because there's a connector. So if you have, you have to have more than a thousand followers. We're not there. So we can't utilize that yet, but put a link up on your website or you share it in Instagram and people can go and buy swag. Love and watches swag. I mean, it, right? it surprises me not to interrupt, but why we don't have a thousand followers on either because we have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of views of our podcast. Well, and again, that's tons. What, that's what we are about. We're about, and we talked. We just talked about YouTube, but at the end of the day, our primary focus right. is, is the on podcast. the podcast. And there's a reason for that because we want to be, we want to be the medium where you can listen anytime. Whether you're have headphones on and you're sitting at your desk working on something, you can listen. Or you're in the car driving. You can't watch a video while you're driving. At least you shouldn't be watching a video while you're driving. So we want you to be in the car with your family listening or laying on the couch at home listening. You can, or doing chores, right? I mean, yeah. I listen to podcasts while I'm feeding horses. So the podcast is still the number one thing for us. We're just looking at other ways that we can incorporate maybe other mediums. But as far as the swag goes, so back, yeah, we don't have a thousand followers. We right. only have a few videos. We haven't, you need to be releasing videos on a regular basis to get more followers. So that's mostly on us. But I do like the idea of YouTube though, because it lasts, it's there, it stays there. It's not oh, like yeah. a story where it disappears and you've put all this effort into it and then it's gone in a day. Mm -hmm. No, we're, we're going to look at more of that, but the, but back to the, the branding. So Teespring is what we've decided we're going to use. Um, I, I talked a little bit to, to Kaz about it and they seem pretty happy with it. So I've done our designs. We haven't publicized it yet because we want to make sure that it's good product, right? Because we haven't seen it yet. So I just right. created we, it last week. You just ordered some. Um, we look? ordered a bunch of the products that we're going to take a look at and make sure the quality is where is meets our standards. We don't want junk, right? Because it's, it's not inexpensive. I don't think it's really more expensive than other types of swag. But the nice thing for us is if you guys want Love & Watch a swag, you go to our website, you click on the on the storefront link to the swag and it comes up and you order what you want. Now... There are some drawbacks. It It's done to order, right? There's no, they don't hold an inventory of our stuff. So once you place your order, they have to place it with our manufacturer, which is probably somewhere in the Far East. Mm -hmm. Gets put into a queue. It gets manufactured, printed, and then Drop shipped shit. out to you. Yeah. So we don't ever see it, which is nice. I don't want to carry inventory. Right. This well, makes it easy for us. So you guys buy it. Teespring collects your money and then... However often we want to get paid out, we just tell Teespring, hey, pay us out, and it falls in our PayPal account. Or well, and you, didn't, you only set up to cover expense right now, right? The minimum? Well, it, it's free. It's free to set up. So you choose your products, you design them, you put them online. I just went with, you can set your pricing. I just went with the standard Teespring pricing. We'll kind of see how that works out. If, you, if your own profit margins drop below a certain level, oh, then they, don't, they won't sell yeah, your stuff. So you, you. got to be careful. So I don't want to... We don't want to overcharge, but we also need to be careful not to undercharge. So right now I'm just using default pricing. Um, so t-shirts like 20 or 22 bucks, whatever, you know, it's pretty standard. There's a lot of philanthropic t-shirt 
companies too, because I've purchased shirts through for my waterfowl, favorite waterfowl rescues, where each shirt you buy gives profit to the 501c. Yeah, and I don't know. You have to cover their cost and then... There's a they profit. might have something where we can set that up. I have to look more into it. I don't know. So we may I'd be like able that. to say take X percent of our profit and contribute it to the... I don't know if we can do that through them. We'll that would make look. me really happy. That would be cool. But first, we want to just get to the point where we're... It's again, running. Where we're covering our costs, and mm-hmm. then we're going to start looking at philanthropic stuff. So it's created. I haven't published it yet because, again, we want to look at the product. Uh, once it's out there, you guys can order it, and I think it takes like three weeks to get your your stuff. Now, the other cool thing about this is we can use it for fun giveaways. So mm-hmm. unbeknownst to him, we haven't told him yet, but one of our very loyal and early listeners since the beginning, uh, GTS Derek, he was the one that guessed your Oris, your Oris Orbis. Um, Orbis. I'm sorry, not Oris, your Omega Orbis, Orbis. edition. Um, he was the first one to guess it and we promised him he was going to win something. We had no idea what it was going to be. <laughs> now we know, dude, it's going to be some love and watch of swag. And once we see the stuff, make sure if it's, it's of good quality, we're going to give you your choice of a few different items, whatever one you want. I think we can just give you a, a coupon code to order it for $0, but I'll, I'll look at that. The other thing we might do is actually, we'll probably have it shipped to us. We'll sign it and then send it on to you. So it makes it fun to be able to do this stuff for giveaways, right? And for the the Oris watch I'm selling, I put in the advertisement, I'll throw in a piece of swag, signed piece of swag for you if you want it, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't and you don't have a clue who we are, then don't worry about it. So it gives us some flexibility to do some fun stuff and maybe make a little money on the side to to fund the podcast. So that was, that seemed to me like a no-brainer. The downside... The downsides again, it's long, kind of long lead times. You're not going to get in a week or overnight like Amit. We've all gotten used to getting our stuff overnight these days, right? Instant gratification. This is not instant gratification, guys. This takes some time. So you got to want it. And and the other thing about swag is you have to be offering a, a product that's compelling enough that people love your, whatever your offering is, whether it's a podcast or YouTube or whatever, that they want to shout that out to the world, right? I mean, if you buy... If you buy a branded product like a t-shirt and you wear it, you're doing that because you're telling the world that you love whatever this is and you think they should be checking it out too, right? So it's advertising for us and for you, it's, you know, you love the show and you want to help us get the word out and you want something that says love and watch on it. Cool. But if you're not offering something compelling, people aren't going to buy your stuff. So we have to always make sure that whatever we're doing is... Unique, compelling, inclusive. You guys want to hear about it and you want to continue to listen to and support the show. So that's the swag piece. The other downside, and this was pointed out to me, I mean, I knew about it, but this reinforced it when I, when I, um, you know, I sent the link to the storefront out to the, our local red bar sack folks and said, Hey, how about some feedback on the product mix and stuff? A bunch of them came back and said, it's cool, but. I'd like to see hobby related stuff, right? Like oh, yes. spring bar tools and I don't know, um, cleaning loop, cloth, eye loops, loops. The downside is with, with something like Teespring, you are limited to what they products carry. they have. Yeah. So down the road, if we can get the ball rolling here, make some profit enough that we can then go to another 
like maybe manufacturer can do it. where we can start actually producing and holding inventory then we'll be able to do those types of products for now it's your normal stuff it's coffee mugs and phone cases mm-hmm. and everybody t-shirts and hats. liquids <laughs> right so that's the only other downside um so i think that's that pretty much covers the swag mm-hmm. so it's coming gts derek is going to be the first Famous as the first person to have, to have a piece of Love and Watches swag. Uh, unless someone it's buys my Oris today and says, yeah, I want the swag. Then maybe they'll be the first. But um, now we'll make sure GTS Eric gets the first piece of Love and Watches swag. So so that's the swag. Um, I did have a, a fifth option here, but it's not really. A, it's product giveaways. We've and already done that. We've done that. We're going to continue to do it. We have a really exciting one coming up. If you guys saw the post on Instagram that announced we're we're hitting the airwaves again, I put a teaser photo up there. It says Swiss Made on it. This is going to be a really fun, exciting giveaway. Uh, we're working with the manufacturer, and it's going to be a lot of fun. The giveaways don't make you money, but let's face it. they If you do giveaways on Instagram and you say tag two people, it increases your following. It, you can gain some new everything bill yeah. it, it increases your reach so we're going to keep doing product giveaways hopefully not spending our own dime if we don't have to um well and that's a win-win because we're not having to invest our cash and the person providing the product is getting their product out there yeah they're getting some advertising right and some some reach now it doesn't benefit them unless we have good reach too so it's it's a partnership we have to continue building our presence so that we are more valuable to them. And so we've already done this with like Terry at Toxic Natos, mm-hmm. Anthony at No BS Watchmaker, right? We gave away one of his books and we want to continue to do that because it benefits us. It benefits the winner. It benefits the business well, that's donating the the giveaway items. So it's all good. And it benefits the listener because they're hearing it from the expert. Yes. Yeah. We're not the expert. Yeah. And, and one thing I want to stress here, guys, we will not be limiting our giveaways to Instagram. Um, we know that not all of you are on Instagram. You know our feelings towards social media and towards Instagram. Um, so we're not going to, you You will not have to be, at least for the majority of our giveaways, you will not have to be on Instagram to win, right? We're going to give you other options of how to win. Um, because I just don't, I don't want to limit to limit it to only Instagram folks. So I've had people reach out and say, we love your podcast. But I can't mm, follow I can't you on Instagram on for whatever reason. I can't yes. be on social media. Either they don't like it or they can't. So They're I don't want to limit people. Or, you know, yeah. I want to I want to make it available to everyone that listens to the podcast because we are about podcasting. Mm-hmm. It's our primary. How about our primary um, missions? How about oh. our poor shipping fiasco we had with our our one giveaway where it got held up in customs and oh what a nightmare. And it was the Invicta Speedway, which was a value of it was a used watch basically because we had already received it and then it the uk nightmare. wanted they wanted to collect like 300 dollars to, to release it from a $50 from watch customs or jail it was, or 100 dollars watch yeah, it was crazy so yeah, so that's we don't in general we don't want to limit you know folks that are overseas either it's just right. if you're gonna but you do see that a lot it's us only because of the issues yeah and i don't want to do that but we need to make it clear that if you win and you're not in the U.S., you're going to be responsible for any fees associated with the getting that product to your front door. And most of you guys already know that. If you live in the U.K. or somewhere else and you ship a product in from anywhere else, you're going to get charged customs for it. So anyway, just something to, just to think about. But So that's the swag. 
it's moving. You guys are going to start seeing it very soon. We're I excited can't about it. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, so that's that's really it for the monetization part. That's what we've been thinking about. So what is coming down the pipe? What are we planning? So one of the biggest things is I'm hoping to do a website redesign. I, I got that website up on my own. I am not a web designer. It's not my forte. It's not a great website. Um, it does the job, but I want something better. And we don't, you know, SEO, everyone talks about search engine optimization, which is when you type in something in Google or DuckDuckGo, what's the likelihood of your website being in that top, you know, five, five websites. So I don't know how to do that. It's going to, that's going to take money. I'm going to have to talk to someone about helping with that, but it's I want to redesign the website. It's a bit of a discriminating process. How it Google sucks. It's terrible. I hate ranks it. you and discriminates you know unfortunately we live in a world where the sad truth is there is one or two companies who pretty much dictate what you see here view uh, that's that's the world we live in so so that's something that we're i'm going to be working on it's not something pg is going to be responsible for i'm going to be working on that i do want to get the website redesigned i want to be more active on the website so that's number one number two guests we, we the shows that seem to get the most listens are or the most plays whatever however you want to whatever you want to call it are the shows that we have guests on and it's so fun. we're we're lining up a bunch of fun guests we i think you guys are really going to enjoy it we really want to put a new renewed focus on having visitors to the show i'd love to actually get some in studio visitors that are actually here with us so that they, means I have to clean one, this room. They have to be local. <laughs> we have to be presentable. The room has to be clean. And we have to invest in more gear. You need more headsets and more microphones. And the list goes on. But we want, we want to be able to actually bring guests into studio if they're local. Because it just makes it that much more fun. You're interacting at the same time in the same room. Nothing wrong with, with Skype or you know those, those types of things. But I think it just brings a new element to having in the studio. Well, I've actually... We've had some uh, very experienced experts on... And I'd like to get more regular people on too, like uh, new collectors. What What is it about collecting that brought you in? I've yep. got a girlfriend who loves um, watches like I do, and she likes the more masculine. She's not into the bling. I'd love to bring her on. So it, it I think the beauty of social media is also that you don't have to be a super popular, important Hollywood person anymore to get yourself out there. Your your view matters. Your you know you I can interview whoever I want on this show. So if I want to bring in, we had a friend from red bar. That was so much fun. Our first guest. Yes. And, and I'd like to bring in people who are experts in niche watches. So I, I've got a couple people on Instagram yep. that I've asked. Don't so, spoil it. Yeah. I'm but not, yeah, but I'm yeah, not. we, I, I agree a hundred percent. I'd rather have normal folks on you're not going to, we're, variety. Not, we're not going to be the podcast that has the CEO from a gigantic watch blog. On. That's just not us. We're, we're not, we're not going there. We want to have regular, we're right, about regular people. people, regular watch collectors. Um, you know, Anthony was great cause he has a cool book. That's, that's awesome. If you're a new watch collector, Terry is, you know, a riot. He's, he's a, a <laughs> home so business. That's, he's yeah. a great guy. So we had a ton of fun with him, but those are the types of guests that we want to have on. We're, we're not going for the rock stars here, guys. No, if we if want you want everybody... to listen to the rock stars, those are their other podcasts and YouTube channels yeah. for that. That's not us. I mean, we want, we want everyone to identify and feel comfortable and mm -hmm. belong. And um doesn't matter which watch you're wearing. Yep. Is that a tongue twister? Which watch? No. So. Well, maybe if you say it fast three times. 
Um, I've already talked about giveaways. We're, we're going to be having some fun giveaways coming up. And that, again, is going to be in partnership with brands and people that want to get their name out there and, and maybe be on the show as well, right? We want to be able to have someone on the show and then do a product giveaway like we've done with Terry and Anthony. So giveaways, watch for more of those. Um, the listener regram. That, I want to get back to that because to me that was kind of unique to us. I don't, I don't think any other watch branding business was doing that and i want to get back to doing that we've well mr I'm jones way does behind. It. mr jones regrams actually yeah you're right yeah I'm that's sorry. how they, i they won do. my um two gift certificates yep so but we i want to keep doing that i want to reward folks for using the love and watches hashtag as much as i hate uh, to, to i know do but that. I, i've seen it a lot i want to reward you guys for that i want to reward you for tagging us i want to give you an, an opportunity to win stuff plus it just helps us spread the word and get the love and watches message out there. So uh, watch for those to pick back up again. I think I already have, I've got one that I need to do a drawing for. And, and Oh, by and, the way, we just reached 4,000 ah, posts 4, 000, on our hashtag, which, which these days is 4, nothing, but I know, hey, but for, for us, us that's fun. exciting. So thank you for using the hashtag and for tagging us, keep doing it. And we're going to keep up with that. So, you know, I PG, I think, uh, for me, those are the main things that I wanted to cover. And I think, you know, just speaking for me personally, but I know I'm speaking for, for you as well. At the end of the day, we're just happy to be back doing this again. It's been th- about three months off. Uh, we're happy to be bringing you our own unique view of this silly little microcosm watch collecting world. Um, it's a very small pond in the greater scheme of things in the mm-hmm. world, but it's a pond that we are all very passionate about. We're just excited to be doing it and and be back. And we're just a, we happen to be a married couple who both loves, both love watches. And like the rest of you, you know, we, we just want to, we want to appeal to everyone. That's the thing is we want to represent. We're excited to be able to bring the female point of view to a podcast or a small, if you have a small wrist, we have two guys in our group in our red bar group who have the same size wrist as me and they have the same troubles. And they're more restricted because they're not going to probably wear a, you know, 29 millimeter Rolex with a diamond bezel. Right. Like I can, can they probably wouldn't. I mean, in some situations they might, I just don't know. But I don't think so. (laughs) But not them, but others, you know, some people may, you know, wear smaller watches than others. I don't know. That's a small segment. Correct. You're right. It it can be even harder for a a guy with a small wrist. So yeah, we're, but at the end of the day, we're happy to be here. We are super stoked about the show and moving forward some of the stuff we have planned. And that's it. And that's that's what we had for you guys today. Um, so remember to keep tagging us on Instagram. We're going to we're gonna try to share that responsibility because I just don't, I'm just not a fan. So you're going to see posts from Perpetual Girl probably more often on the Love and Watches account. I'm kind of copying both my account and the Love and Watches at the same time. Yeah. Because I have so many more followers on my personal account. So I'm not yep. sure how to get both to get them over to see the love and watches but our established fans are already it is aware what it of is. what we're doing it's, it's so. gonna happen however it happens and i'm not gonna worry about and it and i but just don't have time to do stories yeah so you, so you're gonna see a lot more posts from from perpetual girl i'm gonna get in there when i can but i'm it's less of a focus for me uh so anyway Keep tagging us. Keep listening to the podcast. Thank you so much to all of you who've been patient. Yeah, and I'm just and, I'm and so waited th- for this episode. I'm so thrilled with the the base of uh, 
of collecting that the people have that follow us. We've got people who love Invicta, Nixon, specialty fashion watches. We've got people with Cartier, um, Daytona's, every, every spectrum. Yep. The whole mix. The whole mix. So That's it's been really about. fun and I want everyone to feel like they're welcome and, um, I just love looking at watches. I like to look, I like to see different what people are wearing and you know, it's really fun to see everybody yep. posting. And like we've said before, don't be afraid to call us out. If you listen to a show oh, yeah. that if you we, think if we're we've wrong, alienated someone, <laughs> well, if we're wrong, you know, technically about something, but if you feel like we've alienated someone or let us know, we, we may not change our viewpoint on it, but it's good for us to know that. And we really do want to be welcoming of everyone across this entire hobby. So with that, Let's get the heck out of here. Okay. We're done. We are out of here. This is Ranch Racer. This is Perpetual Girl. Thank you for listening. To episode 28. And we will see you guys soon for episode 29. Take care. And remember, buy what you love and love what you buy. Later, guys. 